The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is 11.07. Pinpoint Health Show is here. Uh, Dr. Lou, a very busy hour to follow, and uh, you want to listen up for everything that's coming up this hour. Got a couple special guests on the show today. Uh, Dr. Lou, and reaching out any time, uh, pinpointhealth.ca or uh, info at pinpointhealth.ca to reach out to you. Yeah, this is uh, this is going to be a fantastic hour. The minds are here. The people that know so much misinformation and uh, well, let's just cut to the chase. A lot of BS going on in the public about uh, about COVID nineteen. This show is absolutely critical. How are you, pal? Good morning, John. I'm good. How are you? Good, man. I'm just I can't wait to uh, to get started. What do you What do you got for us today? Yeah, this is this is going to be a really great one. Now, with me being out of studio and doing the show from home, I'm unable to see. I know Doctor Leapert, who's one of our guests is having trouble getting on. Is Do you know if Dr. Mansour, our other guest, is here? Uh, Dr. Mansour is ready to go. He's happening. Okay. So we'll, we'll, we will keep trying to get Dr. Liepert on, but this is a, an action-packed show for sure. Um, one of the things that I think is really important with uh, healthcare in general is collaboration between all different types of healthcare professionals. And um, today's show is really meant to be to, to really educate our listeners on COVID-19. Uh, typically, the show's a call-in show. For now, I think we're going to hold those calls. This is a live show, but we really want to focus on this panel discussion with these two brilliant gentlemen that I have the opportunity to share the show with today. Um, so let me just introduce them first. I'll introduce Dr. Mansur Mohammed, um, who's a PhD in clinical genetics. Uh, Dr. Mansour and I had a great, we, we are launching a podcast as well myself, um, and, and we had an incredible discussion uh, the other day. And so, Dr. Mansour, as a scientist, as a clinical genomicist, I want to say thank you and welcome to the Pinpoint Health Show. It's an honor. Thank you. No problem. And and so, Dr., the other person who will join us and eventually we'll try to get them on, and John, we may have to get um, the people on the, the, the back end there to try to call maybe Dr. Uh, Leeper. Dr. Liepert is a frontline healthcare worker from mm-hmm. Calgary. Um, he's also an anesthesiologist. Um, and Dr. Mansour, uh, when him and I were speaking, thought it would be an incredible thing uh, to have the three of us discuss this together. And, and I absolutely agree. I think getting all of the perspectives is going to be really, really important um, in terms of educating the public on, on the best possible things that they could be doing during the COVID-19 uh, crisis. So, before and you know, I, I if David's listening, uh, please keep trying to call. Otherwise, we'll have someone call you during the break. Um, but Dr. Mansour, uh, let's start with you since you're here right now. Um, with your, tell us a little bit more about yourself in general for our listeners. I've done um, my part of introducing you on a very high level, but I, I'm happy to have you share a little bit more about yourself. Sure. As a clinical genomicist, my goal and my entire career has been in understanding how the individual, meaning the you, the me, the individual, how does our genetic makeup, right, that, that thing that we've inherited from mom and dad, how does it impact the way our bodies work? And that, that wow. sounds fairly generic, but what it means is how does our body respond to whatever challenges are thrown at it, whether it's the challenges of environmental toxins, the challenges of the foods we eat, just basically how does the human operating manual work 
in each and every one of us. And of course, part of what the Human Operating Manual has to do is it has to prepare our bodies for things like infections with things like the SARS-CoV-2. So that's that's the gist of what I do, and, and, and this is clearly something that is taxing the best of minds. I'm just I'm just fortunate to be able to work with people like Dr. Liebert and folks like yourself, Dr. Nali, who know far better than myself. Yeah, well, I don't. I don't think. I think we all know uh, our individual uh, subspecialties, and and I think you bring a, a very interesting aspect to this. And what are some of the things before before we get into the the meat and potatoes of the show here, from a from a genetic standpoint, what are some new things that we know now that you know that you can share with us that might be important from a genetic standpoint as it relates to COVID nineteen. Excellent, excellent. So when you, when you, when you, again, when you return to this functional, which is what I specialize in, a functional genomics perspective, what does that mean? We're looking at the operating manual of the human being, and we're saying, under the stress of the SARS-CoV-2 infection, what are the players? Are there any genetic determinants relevant? Well, there are a few, some of which we're only now learning about. So the first of the genomic players is that we understood there's a human gene, the ACE2 gene, which produces an enzyme, by the way. And that enzyme has a few interesting properties, but one of it is that it acts as the doorway into the human cell for the virus. So let's repeat that. There's the virus. Obviously, we know we're dealing with the SARS-CoV-2 virus, which causes COVID-19, the actual manifestation of the disease, the infection. And that virus, when it enters the human body, for the listeners out there, viruses have to hijack. They have to get into a cell, a host cell, such as the human cell, before they can replicate. They can't replicate externally on their own. Okay, so the ACE2, the human, not the viral, the human ACE2 gene makes a human enzyme protein and that is the doorway into the human cell through which the SARS-CoV-2 virus comes in. Now it makes sense that several scientists, myself included, we started asking are there variations in that gene, meaning because of course the genes we all have as human beings, we all have it but we have different versions of it. So we scientists across the world started asking intelligently, logically, are there variations to the ACE2 gene that might make the virus enter into the human body, that it might make it easier for the virus to enter some individuals, or maybe make it harder for the virus to enter some individuals? And that research is going on. Let me be clear from the very get-go. We are still in the early stages of understanding this virus. We're still in the early stages. So things we say last week may be changed today. Things we say today may be changed in a few days' time. With that being said, we've not found any differences to the ACE2 gene as yet that explains Do- the difference. Dr. Mansour, sorry to interrupt you there. We've got to take a quick commercial break. Let's keep that thought going when we get back on the other side of the break. Pinpoint Health Show continues. Uh, Stick around. This one is extremely important right here on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. 
The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. 1117 Pinpoint Health Show. You want to reach out to uh, to Dr. Lou anytime. one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U. It is info at pinpointhealth.ca. And make sure to check out all the amazing stuff on social. As far as Facebook and Instagram are concerned, we continue our, uh, our discussion here with Dr. Mansoor Mohammed. Fantastic stuff and brilliant stuff when it comes to uh, human genetics and uh, COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2. It's, it's fascinating stuff, uh, Dr. Liu. Yeah, it is, and we're, and we're very lucky to have Dr. Mansoor here. And before we get back to him, John, is there any way to get Dr. Leeper on the line uh, with me being out of studio? I He keeps trying to call in, uh, but there seems to be a busy signal, so I don't know if the other people in the back there can uh, maybe reach out to me and let's try to figure that out. But, uh, yep, you uh, you text me his number and we'll we'll call him. How about that? Yep. No problem. Okay, uh, so Dr. Mentz, we're getting back to what you were saying before the the break, and um, you, you were essentially saying that there is obviously a way, a genetic way that uh, something like a virus would interact with us, and that because this is a novel virus, which means it's new, we are continually finding new and new things. Um, out about this this specific virus and every day and it's it's sort of unprecedented in the sense with myself uh even being an evidence-based practitioner as well the amount of research that is coming out in the boatloads around this virus of all aspects the scientific community has really really come together in terms of trying to get the best scientific answers to this and and you were speaking to us a little bit um uh, about the ace2 um uh uh, receptors and the and the roles that those play and so sorry before we lost you there on the break and we had to sort of take that break why don't you continue your thought no wonderful and thank you and by the way your notes dr lou dr nally you know this the will of the scientific community that is coming out here you know and we work together and obviously work together towards a you know a, a unified harm or concern it really shows you what we can accomplish and i do hope if there's any silver lining here it's that that cooperative nature that sense of world you know getting together of scientists individuals communities continues after the virus i think that's a very important perspective but coming back to it so we just quickly said we're looking at the ace2 gene two new angles that are being evaluated as we speak remarkably in as much as the virus uses the ace2 gene to get into the cell the human cell in other words we may think of the ace2 and its product as the lock the human lock through which the virus opens that lock to get into the cell well guess what turns out now and again this is very early but the virus has the key for that lock something that on the virus it's called s protein s is in saturday protein it turns out again what is this virus this little critter doing it's using another human gene and its product, the Temper SS2 gene and its product, to shape the key of the virus, to shape the S protein so that the virus can fit into the ACE2 and enter the cell even more efficiently. So if that is the case, also now looking at the Temper SS2 gene to see if there are variations there that might make or might explain why some people are more susceptible versus others 
to having a sort of more severe infection. So these are some of the things that we're looking at. There are others, but uh, Dr. Nali, I want to make sure that we get Dr. Liepert on because as a frontline MD, one of the yeah. smartest uh, anesthesiologists I've met, his perspectives on things that the medical community should be thinking of would be remarkable. Yeah, and we're going to work on getting them there. We've uh, we've just sent the number over to John, um, and I was trying on my end. But you're absolutely right. Um, it's it's really important to get his uh, a view on all these things. Um, is going to be really important. Um, with from from the genetic standpoint, uh, with COVID nineteen, um, and one of the the things that um, that I've seen in the research is this virus because it's a lock and key type of mechanism. It seems to be doing an incredible job in terms of that lock and key, that it can really get there and, and do what it's doing to humans. And that's sort of unprecedented as well, because I guess with the previous, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, with the previous types of coronaviruses that we've seen, we've not seen this type of lock and key where, where it has this, this big of an impact. Is that right? Well, we've seen that the previous coronaviruses, including the the grandfathered name of the SARS-CoV-2. The CoV-2 there stands for, you know, the second version, so to speak. The original SARS, which was another coronavirus of, what, 18 or so odd years ago, also got in via the ACE receptor. Whether, right. it's getting, whether those previous coronaviruses versus this one, let me say it in the reverse, whether this SARS-CoV-2 is getting into the human cell more easily or more efficiently. That remains to be seen. However, mm-hmm. however, what we are seeing with the SARS-CoV-2, and this is coming out from some amazing work uh, coming out of the NIH and the CDC, it's showing that this particular coronavirus, when it gets into the human cell, it's replicating at significantly higher rates. What does this mean, Dr. Nally? It means that when a virus gets into a human cell, as we said earlier, very quickly, it's hijacking the human cell, it's using up the human cell's resources to replicate itself. And when it has essentially used up all of the human resources, i.e. the human cell's resources to replicate itself, then it essentially ruptures something called viral shedding and releases all of its progeny in the thousands and hundreds of thousands. Well, the SARS-CoV-2 virus is rupturing, i.e. shedding, at rates that we've, that we've not seen. In other words, it's producing way more progeny, it seems. And this is coming out of Dr. Neil Che's work. At, uh, she's a virologist at the U.S. National Institutes of Health. And what she's shown is this virus seems to be rupturing at rates of probably a thousand times more. Wow. Incredible. Incredible. Dr. Mansour, uh, hold that thought. We're going to keep going here. We're just going to take a quick commercial break. And we will indeed. Uh, you want to reach out to one eight five 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 Doctor Lou anytime. PinpointHealth.ca. This is the Pinpoint Health Show. We continue right here, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is 1126 Pinpoint Health Show with uh, Dr. Lou reaching out info at pinpointhealth.ca, 1-855-55-Dr. Lou. We've got a a full panel here now, Dr. Lou. The doctors are all online and uh, ready to go. Okay, great. And so let me take this opportunity as I started the show with uh, also introducing Dr. David Liepert, who's uh, an anesthesiologist 
and frontline healthcare worker uh, from uh, Calgary, Dr. Leeper. Welcome to the show. Hi, Dr. Lou. Can you, you can hear me okay now? Yes, perfect. Thank you. Sorry we had some problems there getting uh, crazy things with the phones nowadays that everybody's sort of sequestered at home. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on. It's a uh, pleasure. Of course. We, uh, we also have Dr. Mansour, who you know uh, on the show. He was uh, just doing an absolutely brilliant job of taking us through the, the genetics around um, COVID and how it relates to human genetics and things. And I sort of want to take a shift here uh, because I think it's important. And I think Dr. Mansour will, will agree to have your perspective as a frontline healthcare worker, um, what this has been like. And before we go there, I'm sure I speak, I definitely speak on behalf of me, but I'm sure everyone else that's listening and, and the other people that we have here on the line, we, we thank you for the work that you're doing. It's uh, it's absolutely incredible what all the frontline healthcare workers are doing uh, to get us through this, and, and we owe a great, great amount of gratitude and debt to you, so thank you for that. Well, thank you for that. I, I have to say it has always been an honor to be trusted to care for people, and and also the real heroes here right now are the emergency workers, the, uh, the ambulance attendants, uh, the, the paramedics, uh, the police, the, the, the firemen, the people who work in the emergency rooms. Uh, in the hospital, uh, we have really done a great job of preparing for this. And, and it's just the, the hospital administrators, the nurses on down, uh, the way everybody is working together to, to, to flatten the curve. Um, our entire society is doing a great job of, of caring for people, and, and it's just um, it's it's an honor to be participating in that. That's that's great, and and I and I absolutely uh, echo what you're saying there. Those, those people that you mentioned, uh, absolute heroes for us. Um, one of the things that I'd love to get your opinion on, and when we uh, the three of us were corresponding via email about today's show. Um, you were talking about digging in deeper into the uh, the impact of our emergency pandemic response and and how it relates to our general wellness. Please take us through that because I think it's absolutely vital. Well, one of the big concerns about this, like like thank God we've done a great job of flattening the curve in in Canada. It's like uh, things are slowing down in Ontario. Things are slowing down in Alberta. We knew at the outset that this virus would have about a 40 to 70 percent uh, uh, infection rate among the normal population. And it, we are currently just at the 1 percent level. Uh, so, yes, we're flattening the curve, but we've, we've drawn things out so much that, that we're going to be in this for weeks to months and unless they come up with either a cure or a vaccine, the difficulty with either cures or vaccines, there's a lot of there's a lot of, uh, of testing involved in all of that. Um, but at the same time, we've shut everything else down. Uh, we are in complete uh, pandemic and emergency mode. Um, I'm not doing any of my research, uh, but more importantly, in our healthcare systems, we're not doing any of the maintenance work. And so, as this stretches out weeks to months, we're going to see the general level of wellness in our society begin to diminish because people aren't going to see their physicians. They aren't getting new things treated. We're not doing the surgical or medical procedures uh, that, that are necessary on an ongoing basis just to maintain our, our baseline level of health. And in the U.S., uh, they're beginning to see hospitals 
particular to the, the peripheral hospitals, um, they're at risk of bankruptcy because yeah. the, the, the economic model for hospitals in the U.S. is much more uh, closely linked to the economic model for all business in both the U.S. and Canada. And if money isn't coming in uh, and money is going out, uh, you will very quickly start to see businesses begin to fail. So we are, we are societally becoming progressively less able to challenges health goes down i think we're we're cutting out there a little yeah I think we'll get uh we'll get our screener to call uh dr liebert back for sure but that was interesting what he was saying about the dependency on the economics and hospitals in the states where that is failing miserably right yeah and, and the and the importance there that he was linking to um overall wellness uh that this effect will have and we're going to come back and i know dr mansoor and i after this break, we had spoken about this more, and so we'll probably uh, touch on this more after the break. You bet. We'll uh, try to get it back on. This is the uh, the pitfalls of working everybody at home on the phone. There you go. It's back to circa 1970-something as we continue with the Pinpoint Health Show here on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And, uh, yeah, indeed, as, as the man said, show must go on. Indeed, appropriate choice there, Jody, as we continue here with the Pinpoint Health Show. And Dr. Liebert is back. Had a bit, a uh, little bit of a phone interruption. Welcome to the, uh, Alexander Graham Bell Show. And, uh, we are back here. Got him on, hopefully locked in for the, uh, for the remainder. Go ahead, Dr. Lou. You, you said it, John. This is, we're going back circa 1970 here. Dr. Liebert, the, the comments you were making there about people's general overall wellness outside of COVID-19, um, and, and the long-term impacts of that are, are absolutely important. I, when I was speaking with Dr. Mansour earlier in the week, I was giving a few examples of, uh, and one that comes top of mind to me as a chiropractor, I had a patient of mine um, who's in their 80s, reached out to me. Um, we did a virtual conference after very quickly uh, going through a history and seeing his bicep. I could tell that he had completely torn his bicep. Um, and really, typically, we have our orthopedic surgeons who will, uh, at Pinpoint Health, help to repair those types of things. Like you said, all of our elective procedures are essentially shut down right now. Uh, we are available from some very, very emergency types of things, but we're really trying to deter people from going in. And when I was speaking with this patient of mine, I basically said the only way for you to get this looked at right now is to go to an emergency room. And his response was like, no, absolutely not. It's not happening. I'll live like this. But people, and, and one thing to really appreciate there is when, when somebody in their 80s potentially will lose mobility of their arm, what happens to their independence long-term and the mortality mm -hmm. effect of it? And, and I know, uh, Dr. Mansour, and I'd love to get your opinion on this because we, we were speaking about this the other day on, our, on the podcast interview, um, the, the sort of importance here of, and, and, and where I'd like you to go with it is you were talking a lot about um, children and mental health and, and adolescents and how important that may be. Yes. So what well, we are clearly seeing, Dr. Nelligan, for the listeners, we, it's, it's, a, it's a blessing that we don't see severe, at least nowhere as close, severe cases in the youth, meaning here mm -hmm. children, adolescents. Yeah. So that's a wonderful, that's a, that's a blessing. However, however, because we're not seeing severe cases in the youth, we're not focusing on their overall health. 
Now, these children, they're not in schools. They don't have the type of collegial, the type of compatriot support of being with their friends and being with their peers. They're typically home, locked up a bit more. They're seeing mom and dad being stressed out. These children are at an incredibly sensitive age for responding to emotional traumas. The emotional traumas of wondering, what's happening? Am I going to see my friends again? Why can't I go to school? Why is mom and dad crying or, or you know, upset? All of these things that even though absolutely we have to focus on the acute infection, clearly that's where our eyes need to be. However, as Dr. Liepert was saying, Dr. Nali, you said this and when we spoke yesterday, we're taking our eyes off the ball from other concerns. And what I'm particularly concerned with, because I work with a lot of children, the genetics behind depression, anxiety, mood disorders, is you've got now huge segments of the society that fall in that adolescent years, who've never had this type of trauma or societal concern, and it's becoming a trigger for anxiety-based responses, for depression in nope. this in this at-risk population, not at-risk for poor outcome with the virus, but at-risk for other health concerns such as anxiety and depression. And unsurprisingly, and I'll end with this, we are seeing the uptick in uh, call-in numbers, hotline numbers for suicide, for depression, mood disorders going through the roof. And who are calling in? Adolescents. So this is yeah. definitely something we've got to be focusing on, meaning we've got to at least inform the community just because the children, the adolescents aren't getting ill, so to speak, as much as the elders, we've got to still interact with them, engage them, make sure that their, their, their concerns are being addressed. Yeah, and, 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 and I think a good term for what you're speaking of is, is the collateral damage of this, of COVID-19, the other health consequences. And Dr. Leeper, my understanding as an anesthesiologist, you're also gonna uh, play a big role in pain management. Um, and that's sort of my world as well and, and, and what we do. Um, what's your take on the collateral damage around people suffering from pain, injury, and, and the long-term consequences to their overall well-being? Well, pain is is such an at-risk group at all times because it just patients with chronic pain, uh, we don't have uh, the capability even in a fully functioning system of giving them all of the care, but more importantly, all of the attention that they need. People with chronic pain frequently get shunted off to the peripheries of society. Um, they, their relationships suffer, their work suffers. Uh, their their long-term health and and ability to contribute uh, to society, which is way more important uh, than than we we often give credit for. If you don't feel that you have a valid contribution to make, your your personal sense of self-worth suffers, and and all of your symptomatology, particularly uh, focused on something like chronic pain, where so much of it is is uh, is behavioral and psychological, you deal with your pain by, by uh, contributing and caring and, and going forward with your life. So if you're not able to do any of those things, you're going to become inevitably less well. And at the same time, you're not able to see the specialists, the, uh, the, the, the chiropractors, the physiotherapists, the, the pain specialists, uh, the, 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 the group therapy, uh, all of the people who are absolutely necessary to your own self-care 
um, you're you're completely shunted off to the side. And and we're seeing that uh, we don't really have the capacity in our society for remote care to the extent uh, that we need to. Uh, a lot of the clinics. My, my wife is a is a chronic pain specialist as well. I'm an anesthesiologist and an intensivist and a healthcare quality expert. So I, I interact with her pain clinic because because I'm I'm uh, involved in maintaining the, the the quality of care there. And mm-hmm. inevitably, we don't have the capacity to do the the care that is absolutely essential. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think this all this collateral damage that we're sort of speaking of and all of these things really raises another important um, aspect that I'd love to turn the attention of the show to. Um, and I think Dr. Mansour termed it brilliantly, the importance of overall basal health. Um, and so and that's the idea that just general overall health in terms of active lifestyle, healthy eating is so very, very important to um, these types of scenarios where our system all of a sudden is shut down. But we should, all of us have a responsibility um, to some extent to be doing more to be healthier individuals. And and let me turn that over to you, Dr. Mansour, because I, I thought when you termed it that way, oh, I think that's the indication for the break. Let's hang yep. tight. When we get back from the break, we're going to turn it over to Dr. Mansour about that. Stick around. Lots more of the Pinpoint Health Show is on the way right here. Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. PinpointHealth.ca to reach out. Info at PinpointHealth.ca on social as well. And any time when uh, we're not on the air, one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U. So before we, we went to break, and I apologize for the, the, the way we're going to break here. I usually, when I'm in studio, I get you know, the two-minute warning, and we can sort of do this a little bit better. I just hear the music on my headset here, and we sort of break. But before before we went to break, um, uh, Dr. Leeper brought up, uh, we were talking a little bit about the, the collateral damage and all those things, and I was talking about um, what Dr. Mansour termed, I think, very brilliantly, um, the overall basal health that, that we all sort of have a responsibility to some extent. Um, to keep for ourselves and, and how that might play a role overall with, with these types of things. Dr. Mansour, I want to turn that over to you. So one thing we have to use this, this chance to remind our listeners, as much as we're seeing the gloom and the, the concern associated with this virus, we really do need to remind ourselves that the overwhelming majority of people who come in touch, who come in contact with this virus, who are infected, will not develop severe outcomes so this which we must still stay positive now here's the reason why i mentioned that the reason i mentioned this is okay we do know there's a subset of individuals that will go on to severe outcomes so are we seeing certain basal as you've nicely said dr nally basal what we call comorbidities and the answer is resoundingly yes what does this mean it means that the individuals regardless of age to a degree that will go on to develop severe symptoms tend to, and of course there are always exceptions to the rule, but they tend to have underlining health concerns at the top of the list. Things that have now come out in the literature, things like hypertension, things like diabetes with or without insulin resistance, or I should say the other way, insulin resistance with or without full manifestation of type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular diseases in general. So what does this tell us? 
It tells us these other things, these other health concerns that as a society we recognize, but we've just sort of left it up to, well, if it happens, mm -hmm. I'm going to take my medication. We now need to be far more cognizant of addressing those health concerns because those health concerns are clearly diminishing the human body in, at least in the case in the case of this virus diminishing our ability to deal with an infection so to conclude this is not just about a rogue virus that we are having to deal with this is about as our societies taking back a perspective of what does it mean to try your best to be healthy and that seems fairly generic, but it's not. The healthier we are, pulmonarily, cardiovascularly, which are things we can do something about, the healthier we are, this virus has taught us, the greater the chance we are to come out of this infection without much of a severe outcome. Awesome. Yeah, and, and I think that's a great point. And, and it's interesting when you look at those types of risk factors, um, like hypertension, uh, cardiovascular disease, uh, diabetes, so much of that is lifestyle and can be controlled uh, by doing sort of the right things. And it's interesting, that's also one of the things that, that increases the risk of all-cause mortality. And I think, John, a few weeks ago, we may have had a call uh, from a listener around this where we were talking about this, and I sort of made the comment to say, well, these are the types of things that would put you at risk almost for anything, not just yeah. COVID-19, and that's the importance uh, of being healthy. Uh, Dr. Liepert, is there anything you want to add to that? Because I, I believe your input is, is valuable here. Well, you know, one of the one of the important things to realize is, yes, at the moment, we don't have the capacity to prevent COVID. We may get a vaccine That's right. uh, sooner or later. We don't have the capacity to cure COVID, but we do already have the capacity to improve our own uh, ability individually and also as a society to resist and recover from COVID. And that really speaks to the baseline health situation that, that Dr. Mansour was, was referring to. There are, like, the, the, the collaboration that he and I began uh, in the chronic pain space uh, that's caused us to, to join our, our two companies together, uh, it was really focused on on the, the role that, that chronic uh, inflammation and metabolic inflammation and, and genetic predispositions play in increasing your risk of, of uh, suffering from chronic pain, either inflammatory or neuropathic. And, and Dr. Mansour has truly done some groundbreaking work there. Um, and the groundbreaking work is very much focused on identifying what is your metabolic vulnerability? And as we address our metabolic vulnerabilities, we just inevitably become more able to respond individually. But as a society, if we can identify that at a larger basis, we can increase our basal wellness uh, individually and together. Yeah, and, 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 and that's such an important point there about overall doing better. Um, one of the things, and again, uh, reiterating what you said there, there's no real great treatment that we have yet. There's the vaccine isn't yet present to, for the prevention aspect of it, but we can all do a little bit of something to prevent this. And um, I think Dr. Mansour, I, I would love to hear your opinion on, uh, especially with where you come from, micronutrients. Is there anything out there um, that might be playing a, in a role in either in terms of prevention or prophylactically in terms of treatment uh, for uh, COVID-19. 
absolutely and not I would say from the get-go not to bunt the answer to this over to either yourself as a clinician or to Dr. Liepert as a geneticist you know I have to be very careful I'm not a I'm not a therapeutic specialist however having said that when we understand the way in which the virus a viral infection and this is a really important point for our audience a viral infection in and of itself is not what is causing the most of the symptomologies that we're seeing the symptomologies that can go on to be severe including what we've come to learn and the, the average audience is hearing things called cytokine storms what do i mean by this i mean it is the body's response Mm-hmm. in a sort of ironic twist it's the body's response to the viral infection that is when those things that response is unchecked it's uncontrolled it's over you know overhyped then we enter into physiologies physiologic changes that can be deleterious to the human body so with that in mind there are several micronutrients and and, and again we are not Doc, dr mansur before you start with the micronutrients we're getting the music here let's take a quick break and we're going to continue on that after the break and we will do so stick around very important uh, notes coming here in the next few minutes it's the pinpoint house show global news radio you are listening to a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of global news radio 640 toronto Eleven fifty-four. last few minutes here with the uh, the doctors here in the pinpoint health show let's get to it dr Le- yeah, uh, so Dr. Mentor, we probably only have a very, very few minutes. Uh, if you can quickly uh, finish your thought there that you had started on about micronutrients. So once we understand that the symptomologies are actually internal responses to that infection and we see the cascade things that, for example, we see the stresses of oxidants secondary to the viral infection, we see that there are, you know, hugely upregulated inflammatory responses. Then when we see those basal responses, we can look at micronutrients that counter them. For the benefit of our entire audience, Dr. Liepert, sorry to do this to you. Because you've been looking at those things, Dr. Liepert, can you end, I want an MD to end with what sort of things we can use there. Well, you know, there are, there are, uh, very simple things like talking about being able to resist the virus, talking about being able to recover from the virus, talking about being able to deal with the emotional consequences of the virus. Vitamin D and exercise, it, 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 not even in the micronutrient level, but just vitamin D3 and exercise addresses those three issues and our vitamin D3 levels and our exercise levels are going to be going down because of our response to COVID. I can't think of a more pressing example. Um, Other things that we can do, vitamin C. Uh, Vitamin C helps us deal with oxidative stress. Uh, there are there are supplements like like uh, N-acetylcysteine that also help us deal with oxidative stress, um, and and is is actually fairly good for people with chronic lung disease and asthma because it helps you clear your secretions and things of that sort. So there are nutrients and supplements and and vitamins, and the most important vitamin is just looking after yourself and getting the exercise and the activity uh, that you need and the the ways to contribute to society that you need to feel like a healthy person. Yeah, gentlemen, I I can't thank you both enough for being here with me today. Um, you, You are both welcome on this show whenever you guys like. 
uh, I will probably reach out to you anyways to, to gather more of your expertise in this. I think uh, the message here of the show has been take care of yourself in general. Um, and, and that's consistently the message of the show. And, and science shows um, some very moderate level exercise, some healthy eating habits does a tremendous uh, has a tremendous overall benefit um, to overall health, and it could play a role right now for everybody uh, with COVID-19 and what we're going through. Uh, to both of you, again, Dr. Mansour, uh, from, from a scientific perspective and the knowledge that you keep sharing with everyone about COVID-19, thank you so much for that. Dr. Liefer, both as a, a physician and a scientist and, and also on the front line, thank you. And if you guys have any last things you'd like to add before we end the show, please go ahead. But it's, it's been an absolute honor to have you both on the show today. All right. So, John, there we have it. So yep. uh, that was the Pinpoint Health Show to all of the listeners. Um, we did not take your calls today. I am always, during COVID-19, available to speak to anybody, to have a call. Um, this just If there's interesting topics that people want to find out about during this time, you can always call one 855 55 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U, or email at info at Pinpoint Health, and I'm happy to do my part uh, during this crisis as well uh, to help people in whatever way I can. I think it's uh, worth saying, as we said last week, man, to wrap up, yeah, stay home, stay apart, but stay active. You know, being being staying home and social distancing doesn't mean, you know, Netflix and a bag of Cheetos every day. Move around the house. You can exercise. Go online. There's lots of stuff you can do within your own home to stay active, like those doctors were saying. So good stuff, man. Excellent show. We'll do it all again next weekend. And want to reach out, as he said, one 855 Dr. Lou, pinpointhealth.ca. Until next time, Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.